The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. The handle unmarked. But the gun has killed and the man has killed. People call them both the six-shooter. Around Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. It's a two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another Western Wednesday. We'll make this kind of a quick one because my throat's not doing the best. So today we have two great episodes of Gunsmoke and The Six Shooter. The Six Shooter has Aunt Emma is the name of the episode. Another one of... Uh, another great episode with uh, Jimmy Stewart really doing some of his fine acting character work that he does. And then Overland Express on Gunsmoke. We'll start with that because for two reasons. One, it's written by John Meston. It's our first Meston script in a while. Um, also, this episode is like crystal clear. Really nice. I love just listening to the birds in the background and all the subtle things that they add to these shows. It's just absolutely awesome. Uh, I thought it's that time of year where I need to come out and ask for folks to donate, especially now that I'm running two podcasts with the Judy Garland podcast over there and the Jack Benny podcast over here. Um, If you can donate in any level, that'd be fantastic. You just go to buckbenny.com. Over there on the right-hand side, you can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month. If you're going to do a dollar a month, I prefer you do it through Patreon, though uh, there's a little link there you can click on to Patreon and do it that way. If you would rather go with $2 a month or higher, you can either do it through Patreon or PayPal, whichever you prefer. And then uh, if you want to just do one-time payments, there's a pull-down menu for those as well. Uh, we have You can donate at any level that you're comfortable with donating. Um, there's lots of special gifts. It's sort of like uh, when you donate to PBS and they give you a DVD. You're really helping out PBS, so you're helping us pay the bandwidth and pay the bills and everything. But we give you a gift of a link to some of my podcasts. So you either get a link to um, some of my Jack Benny podcasts, or you get a link to all of all of my podcasts I've ever done at a you know at different levels. You get different. Uh, amounts of access. You can just click down there on the um, menu system and look and see what's at which level and decide what level you'd feel comfortable donating in and what uh, um, links you would like to get from us. We have all different levels to offer, um, all different link packages. We have uh, where you can access to just the podcast or access to the podcast and the shows, the high quality shows that I offer without being on podcasts, like let's say these gun smokes, you really love them and you're going, I just can't wait for once a week for Buck to put them out. Well, you can listen, I think I've got them in there up to a year or two in advance, all in high quality sound that you can listen to ahead of time. If you don't want to listen to my intros and things, you can just listen to the, to the gun smoke episodes themselves. Um, there's also, uh, links to, where you can get to my video library where I have uh, all of a a huge selection of Jack Benny television shows and things, the biggest collection I know of. And uh, you can watch those on your phone. The quality is probably not that great for television. It's okay, but it'd be better on a phone size or a tablet, that sort of thing. Anyway, without further ado, let's go ahead and take you to Gunsmoke and Jimmy Stewart. I hope you enjoy both very, very much. And remember to donate, you go to buckbenny.com and look on the right-hand side and you'll see what to do. You can always email me at buckbennyotr at gmail.com. That's buckbennyotr at gmail.com if you have any questions or you want to pay with check or anything like that. So enjoy. Hope you had a great Halloween. And let's get into the shows. Around 
Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad, the transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. A stranger named Joe Beaudry killed a man in Dodge and then got on his horse and rode 90 miles northwest. He made it across the Smoky Hill River before his horse played out and fell behind a small knoll. Beaudry put a knife in him and settled on to wait. Half hour later, he shot my horse out from under me and crippled Chester's with a slug in the shoulder. And then he gave up. He just threw down his guns and walked toward us across the prairie. His hands in the air. You think it's a trick, Mr. Dillon? I don't know, Chester, but if he makes a move, I'll kill him. Yes, sir. That's far enough, Baudry. Now turn around. I ain't armed, Marshal. No. You know, I'm curious, Baudry. Why didn't you shoot it out? I don't want to kill anybody, Marshal. You killed a man in Dodge. He went for his gun. I had to. Some of the witnesses say he didn't. Oh, sure. Friends of his. I heard him. That's why I lit out. Man looks guilty when he runs. You should have stayed and faced now, it Now, what there. kind of shake could I get in a strange town, Marshal? Everybody be against me. The law protects you if you're innocent. You'll have to stand trial now anyway. Well, maybe I made a mistake, but I'm still alive. Yeah. And a long way from Dodge. Say, by gracious, that's right. Uh, how are we going to get back, Mr. Dillon? Well, we crossed the Overland Express Road about five miles back. We'll just walk to the road and wait for a stage, I guess. Yeah, but the stage don't go up to Dodge from here, sir. Well, we'll take it into Fort Donner. Maybe the Army will lend us some horses there, and we can turn them back at Fort Dodge. Marshal. Yeah. Well, I know you don't owe me no favors, Marshal, but... i never been arrested before. I, I'd be kind of ashamed in front of everybody on stage. Well, that's tough, Baudry. What do you expect me to do? Only a little thing, Marshal, won't make any difference to you. Just don't let them know that you're taking me in, is all. All right, Baudry, I guess it doesn't matter. Oh, thanks. I'm not wearing a badge anyway. But you make one move and I'll hogtie you and you'll ride on the roof. Or you'll be dead. Well, it's a deal, Marshal. You'll get a fair trial, Baudry. If you're innocent, you'll go free. Well, if it is a fair trial, I'm going back to California. I don't know why I ever left it. You come from California? Yeah, Hey, Marshal, look, is it all right if I lug my saddle back with me? Yeah, sure, we're not leaving ours. Uh, Chester, I'll go with Baudry and get his guns. Yes, Mr. Dillon. I sure do wish you'd stop closer to the stage road, though, Baudry. Five miles is a long way packing a saddle. Go take care of your horse, Chester. Let's get out of here. Yes, sir. It's a doggone shame, though. That was a mighty good horse. Come on, Baudry. I sure hope the stage hasn't gone by already, Mr. Dillon. Why don't you get off your back and look down the road, Chester? Well, I declare. Looky, Andre, it's a coming. And it's painted bright red, too, Mr. Dillon. Hey, what if they don't stop for us, Marshal? Road agents don't usually carry their saddles. The driver will notice that if he's awake. Driving a six-horse hitch ought to keep him awake. Yeah, but not sober. It's a shotgun the messenger's holding. He doesn't need it. We want a ride, that's all. Where's your horses? Marshal, please, you remember what you said. We lost them. You don't look like greenhorns to me. It can happen to anyone. That's true enough. The one in the middle ain't even armed. Pick him up, Hank. All right, Berryman, it's your treasure box. How far are you going? Fort Downer. It's about 60 miles to Fort Downer. You're crowding us. That'll be 15 cents a mile. 
How much is that, Mr. Dillon? Uh, about $9, Chester. $9 a piece, that is, and payable right here. All right. It's high, but I can't argue with you now. Here you are. 20, 5, 6, 7. All right, mister, get in. I don't know how the passengers are going to like this, though. You got room for a couple more in here? Anybody can't keep his horse or to walk home. Uh, there's room for two, maybe, but not three. Oh? Uh-huh. Take a look for yourself, mister. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, Chester? Oh, now, sir, I, I can't... I don't want Godry on top. You'll have to get up there, Chester. Well, I guess you're right, sir. But I think you fellas ought to charge us less if I can't ride inside. The Overland stage guarantees a ride, mister. Comforts the passengers' problem. Get in, Baudry. Yeah. Now get fixed somehow. You've held us up long enough. Give me a hand now, there. Yeah! You don't look like a judge, mister. I'm not a judge. Well, you must be important somehow. We order these men around, and that fellow on top there calls you sir. Dylan? Well, let's just say that I'm sort of the boss of this outfit, mister. Uh, what'd you say your name was? I didn't say. It happens to be Dylan. Well, I'm Zimmer. Old man here called himself Gant. My name is Gant, and I ain't ashamed of it. And I don't give a long hoot what any of you call yourselves. Gant's kind of crusty, but he's sober. That's more than I can say for the other two here. They only wake up long enough to pull on that jug they got and get drunk enough to go back to sleep. Well, that's not a bad way to travel if your stomach can stand it, I guess. No, I ain't doing it myself if I was younger. What business you in, Dylan? You ask too many questions, Jimmy. You ain't got no manners. Nobody's asking you, old man. Good, good. Then I don't have to listen to your gobbling. Now, listen here, Gant. Any more out of you oh, and I'll tear you up. You can't spoke me. I'm too old. Uh, 85, mister. Would you believe it? Uh, no, sir, I wouldn't. That's mighty old. <laughs> you sure don't look it. I knew Marijuana Lewis, mister. Met him in St. Louis when he and Clark come back from the Pacific. Now who's doing all the talking? Leave him be, Zimmer. There's no harm in passing the time. Hey, look, mister. You may be the boss of these other fellas, but you don't run me. Nobody's trying to run you. Just take it easy. Uh, uh, don't pay him no mind, Dylan. He's just nervous about something. What are you driving at, old man? Uh... We'll be in Monument Station about an hour, Dylan. Spend the night there. Yeah. Hope the chow's improved. Last time I was there, all I had was fat pork. One passenger says, I never eat fat pork. So the cook told him, Well, then just help yourself to the mustard. <laughs> <laughs> Monument Station was a long, low hut made of sun-dried, mud-colored bricks with a flat roof thatched and then sodded. The one building served as an eating room in the daytime and a bunkhouse at night. There wasn't much air inside, and after dinner, fat pork and mustard, Chester, Baudry, and I went out to the corral for a smoke. My gracious alive, I hate to think of sleeping in there. All those men, why, a, a fellow could suffocate. And I'll bet that stock tender hasn't washed himself since he left home. He said he washed his blankets anyways, just this morning. Yeah, sure. You know how? He spreads it on an anthill for a couple of hours. Oh, well, that settles it. I'm sleeping outside. <laughs> All right, Chester. We just don't get too cozy. Half the night you're standing guard over Baudry here. I'll watch him the other half. Well, I'm not going to run away, Marshal. You ran once, Baudry. All right, I'll tell you something, and maybe you'll trust me a little then. Tell me what? Would you like to know who Zimmer is? Zimmer? He that real testy fella? I don't like him at all. He's always on the prod about something or other. Wait a minute, just a Chester. Bit of Wait a minute. What about Zimmer, Baudry? His real name is Chess Rhine. So? Well, at least that's the name was under his picture. Well, where was his picture, Baudry? Well, in California, tacked onto a pole. Go on. Well, I think the reward was $500. 
course, I ain't certain. You sure it was his picture? Yeah, Marshal, I'm sure. Heard a lot of talk about him in Sacramento just before I left. What kind of talk? Well, like one time he rode in a stagecoach as a passenger, and he was peaceful enough until some fellows on horses, they stopped that stage in a canyon somewhere, and then this here, Chess Ryan, he pulled a gun on the other passengers, and he disarmed them whilst the boys outside unloaded the treasure box. They had an extra saddle horse along and riding. He rode off with them. That's the way I heard it. Seems to me you went to a lot of trouble. Uh, sometimes the passengers give road agents as much fight as the driver and messenger, Chester. They feel safe because they're inside. Yeah, and that's what Chess Ryan figured. What, are you going to arrest him, Marshal? I can't arrest a man without cause, Bodring. You may be telling the truth, but I don't know that for sure. I can check on Zimmer when we get to Fort Donner, but... All I can do to Lynn's keep an eye on Well, this stage will be robbed long before it gets to Fort Downer, Marshal. Yeah, maybe, but not without a fight. Thanks for telling me, Baudry, and for your sake, I hope it's the truth. If it isn't, you're going to be in more trouble than you are now. All right, keep an eye on him, Chester. I'll be back in a few minutes. Yes, sir. Berryman? Yeah? Uh, out here a minute, will you? What's up, mister? I want to talk to you, that's all. Alone. Come on outside, huh? Be right back, Hank. Save some of that whiskey for me. Right, Barry. What's on your mind, mister? How long you been an express messenger, Berryman? Two years. Not that it's any business of yours. Did you run into any trouble in that time? Some? Why? I just want to know if you can handle yourself, that's all. You want to find out? <laughs> Look, Berryman, you know my name. It's Dillon. I'm Matt Dillon. I'm the U.S. Marshal out of Dodge. Dillon. Dillon. Yeah, I think I remember seeing you there. Good. Now tell me this. You carrying much in that treasure box of yours? The messenger who brought it as far as Pond Creek said it was $50,000, unsigned currency, mostly. Mm-hmm. Something up, Marshal? Well, maybe. Uh, tell me, what's the best place for a holdup between here and Fort Donner? Oh, well, Willow Bend, I expect. man on a horse could keep hidden there till we were right on top of him. All right, tell the driver to whip those horses through Willow Bend as fast as they'll go. Chester will be on the roof to help you, and I'll sort of organize the passengers inside. Well, now if there's going to be a holdup, Marshal, you well, should... Well, I, I don't know. I don't know, but we'll play it safe. And, uh, by the way, Berryman, don't let on inside there about this, huh? Or, uh, who I am. All right? Okay, Marshal. Thank you. Good night, Berryman. Good night, Marshal. Oh, Marshal. Yeah? We got a jug of station whiskey inside if you want a drink. <laughs> I don't think it'd do much good. I've heard of that stuff freezing solid on a cold night. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first... Backing up the great CBS Radio News team election night will be Univac, the new electric brain operating for the first time to bring you faster, more accurate, more complete election night totals. November 4th, starting at 8 p.m. New York time, CBS Radio reports the election returns from coast to coast. Make CBS Radio your election headquarters to hear the trends, the color, and the mounting tide of results reported by Edward R. Murrow, Lowell Thomas, and the rest of the same great CBS radio team that made convention reporting history earlier this year. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Next morning, just after sunup, the stage left Monument Station. It was 10 miles to Willow Bend and 12 miles to the next change of horses at a small swing station run by a lone stock tender. Zimmer, or Chess Ryan, if that's who he was, seemed nervous. 
too nervous for an experienced road agent, but maybe he had figured me for what I was, and that gave him the jumps. Anyway, I sat next to him so I could handle him faster if and when the time came. We drove at an easy pace until we neared the bend, and then the driver popped his whip over the teams and they began to run hard. But suddenly he was pulling them in and breaking at the same time. One move by Zimmer at that point and I'd have killed or crippled him. What are we stopping here for? Hey, driver, what's up? Uh, wheel's been dragging. Couldn't you feel it, Paul? All right, everybody out. Well, what's the idea? Driver, what's wrong? A wheel's stuck. Can't pull it off with you in there. Hurry it up. Beaudry, get over there by Chester. Oh, don't you worry about me. You keep an eye on Reem. Go on, now. Come on. What do you think, Dylan? Well, they'd have jumped us by now, Berryman, while everybody was still inside. But keep your head up anyway. You watch the other side of the coach. I'll stay here. Okay. What do you mean it wasn't greased? Why not? Sizzling hot. Have to cool before we can take it off. That drunken fool at Monument didn't grease this one, that's all. Take a bullwhip to him when I get back there. Well, you can grease it now, can't you? I could, mister, if I had any grease. Well, you mean you haven't got any? Not unless I render you down and make some. Now, get out of my way. Well, any more of that and I'll... <sighs> all right, all right, forget it. What are we going to do? How about grass, driver? Hey, that's an idea. Wrap it around the spindle and go till it wears out. It won't last long, but we can keep putting it on till we get to the next station. Uh, we'll be all day stopping every half mile. Uh, why don't you greenhorns ask a real man how to fix it? All right, Pop. How are we going to fix it? Cheese. Cheese? Yes, cheese. 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 It worked fine, too. Yeah, it might at that. I suppose you brought some cheese along just in case, Pop, huh? I brought it along to eat. You're well, I'll let you have it. It's in my carpet bag. <laughs> Old Gant's cheese worked fine, and we left Willow Bend without more trouble. I began to figure Baudry for a liar, but he just sat there, staring out at the prairie, and said nothing. A few miles further on, as we approached the swing station, I heard a shout from the messenger, and then Baudry pointed ahead. I leaned out to take a look. The station was a small one-room adobe hut with a usual corral at the rear, but there wasn't a horse in sight. And out of the two windows facing us poured thin streams of white smoke. As the stage pulled to a stop, I saw two arrows embedded in a half-open door. Come on, Chief. Look at them arrows. Wait a minute. Uh, let me take a look in there. Let's all take a look, Zimmer. Where's the stock tender? They kill him? They tried to fire the place, but it's just smoldering. Who are those two men? I don't know. But this one's still alive. Well, that's the stock tender. But who are those two? Uh, never mind them. They're dead. Uh, scalp. Indians sure must have surprised him. Sneaked right up. All right, Berryman. Let's get the stock tender out of this smoke. Take his head there. Yeah. Scalped him, too. And he ain't even dead. Never mind that. Just pick him up easy. It's all right, fella. Stage is here. Indians. Comanches. They scalped me. Never even heard him. Ask him who those other men were. What were they doing here? Leave him be. The man's dying. Water. Give me a drink. Chester, get the water bag. Yes, sir. Can't you let the man alone, Dylan? Yeah, scalp three men and stole horses. <laughs> That's Comanches for you. Here's the water, sir. Oh, thanks. Here, fella. Here now. Take a drink. There we go. Road agents, those two, they held me up. They said they'd hide till the horses were unhitched. And they then hold up the stage. Had a partner on the stage to keep the passengers out of it. What was his name? Their partner, I mean. Uh, put my head down, mister. 
it's it's bubbling over. Uh. The stock tender's eyes clouded up and went blank as I lay his head back. And then there was a scuffle behind me, and before anybody could move, Zimmer grabbed Gant, and using him as a shield, he walked backward toward the stage. The old man stopped struggling when he felt Zimmer's gun in his back, and the rest of us just stood there watching, helpless. First man draws a gun, Gant'll die. You gave yourself away, Chess Ryan. Take it easy, man, take it easy. This, this fool's nervous. Shut up. You, driver. Lead those teams down the road a piece, and then come back here. Gann and I will take the stage alone. Come on! You better do what he says, driver. He's scared enough to shoot. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm better. Come on. Oh. What are you stopping for? Take him 50 yards down there. Can't do it. That wheel's froze up again. He ain't going anywhere at that stage. <laughs> Might as well give up right now, young fool. I never did like you, Gant. Ryan, listen to me. You've made your play and you've lost. If you give up now, the charges will be attempted robbery. If you don't, they'll probably turn into murder. Who are you anyway, mister? I'm a U.S. Marshal. Well, you're not arresting nobody. Not unless you want Gant dead. You make a move and his blood will be on your hands, Marshal. You can't hold him there forever, Ryan. The stage going west passes through sometime today. What'll you do then? He's right. That stage passes this station about noon. I drive it myself half the time. I'll think of something. Uh, first, uh, I want all you men to unload your weapons. Line up and throw them in a pile there. One at a time. But you even start to try anything and I'll blow a hole in the old man. You think you would, Mr. Dillon? He's so nervous now, it's a wonder he doesn't do it by accident, Chester. I get going, don't stand there. One at a time now. And use two fingers to do it. All right, man, you better do as he says. Now? Go ahead. Easy. All right, next man. Baudry. Yeah? You're the only man who might stop this. What? How? Pretend to join him. You trust me that much? I have to. Okay, Marshal. All right, easy now. Two fingers. All right, next man. Ryan. Hold it right there, Poultry. Well, I'm not armed, Ryan. Look. But you know why? Too yellow, maybe. Oh, the Marshal's got my gun. I'm under arrest. He's taking you in, is that it? He was, till I woke up just now. I, I, I killed a man in Dodge, Ryan. They want to hang me for it. Now, Baudry, we told you you'd get a fair trial. Chester, what's more? shut up. Yes, sir. Well, look at you. I haven't got much chance alone, Ryan. But you and me, we can disarm these men, throw away their guns, and, and ride off on those horses without the coach. You do that, Baudry, and I'll quit my job and run you down if I have to chase you all the way to Oregon. I couldn't show up in Dodge after this anyway. Well, I'll be watching for you, Marshal. It beats hanging. Well, how about it, Ryan? Make a fool out of Dylan, huh? Yeah, I like that. I right, pick up a gun, Baudry, and get over here. <laughs> I'm warning you, Baudry. Sorry. I figure I'll live longer this way, Marshal. Yeah. Yeah, you hold the old man, Baudry. I want a free hand. Yeah. I'll kill Gant quicker than Ryan would. Any of you men try anything? You heard him. Now, let's get this over with. Fast. Ryan, I want to tell you something. That's far enough, Marshal. All that... That gun in your hand, Ryan, you better keep it on me. You even glance at Baudry and I'll draw and kill you. What are you talking about? You shoot me and Baudry will kill you from behind. What? That's right, Ryan. Gant, you walk back over towards the hut so as he can see I'll let you go. He trick you, too. But I can still kill you, Marshal. Yeah, that's right, Ryan. You can still kill me. But I'm paid to die. I settled that in my mind when I took this job. It's only a matter of time. But what about you, Ryan? You ready to die? I... I... 
you can't do this. I'm doing it, Ryan. I'm doing it now. I'm going to walk right up to you, and you're going to give me that gun. Hey, stop, Marshal. Don't. Your spine if you shoot, Ryan. Let me have the gun, Ryan. Uh, uh, Easy, no. Ryan. Now! Did he hit you, Mr. Dillon? No, he waited a second too long. It worked, Marshal. Finally, it worked. Yeah. Yeah, you did fine, Baudry. I'm going to remember it. Yeah. Now, give me back that gun. You still going to take me in? Of course. No, that... That don't seem fair, Dylan. I'm only a marshal, Baudry, not a judge. Oh. I'm not sure I wouldn't rather die right here. Wait, Baudry. Now, I'll testify at your trial, and I promise you it'll be a fair one, but that's all. Now, give me the gun. You don't make it easy, marshal. My job's to bring you in. Any way I can get you there. Dead or alive, huh? That's right. Here's the gun. Thank you. The next day, I turned Chess Ryan over to the Army at Fort Donner. The colonel wanted credit for sending him back to California, and I wanted to be rid of him. Took us three days to ride back to Dodge. On the way, we got to be real good friends with Joe Poudry. I wouldn't let him have his gun back. But even so, he managed to supply us with antelope steaks every morning. <laughs> I made him borrow Chester's gun. Gunsmoke, transcribed under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin and Lou Krugman, with Vic Perrin, Junius Matthews, Jim Nusser, and Ralph Moody. Parley Bayer is Chester. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Thousands of acres of timber are afire in the Midwest, New England, Far West, and Southern areas. This is the word of warning to all who may be in or near woodlands. Take every precaution to avoid setting fires with cigarettes, matches, campfires. Timber is vital to America's defense. Human lives and property are at stake, too. Hunters especially are urged to exercise caution. Any further damage may result in suspension of the hunting season indefinitely. Clancy Cassell speaking, and remember Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy open fire on your funny bones Sunday nights on the CBS Radio Network. saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle, unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. 
James Stewart as The Six Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. This was my first trip into Powder Creek for, oh, oh, three months, I suppose. Working the spring roundup for Bar Y had been keeping me pretty busy, and there hadn't been any special reason for coming to town, but I figured it was about time to make an appearance. Scar's saddle was showing a lot of wear and tear, and, well, my own outfit didn't exactly look like it. It had just arrived fresh from the mail order house. Pants were getting a little thin around the seat, and then... It was a pretty big hole in the sleeve of my jacket. I'd tried to patch it up, but I hadn't done a very good job. So I left Scar at the livery stable and headed over to Ethan Green River's general store. I aimed to get another jacket, a new pair of breeches, shirt or two. And I'd probably be able to find out what's been going on in the town while I was at it. Ethan usually managed to keep up on the latest Powder Creek happenings. Well, the store hadn't changed much. Everything seemed to be about the same. And Ethan, he hadn't changed much either. He must be almost 65 by now. He sure didn't look that old, though. Standing there by the pickle barrel, munching on a great big fat juicy dill. Howdy, Ethan. Well, well, well. I've been wondering when you was going to honor us with your presence, Britt. That's all. Yes, sir. I was remarking about you just this morning. Told Miss Bennett. When she come in to get some yardage for a new dress, I said to Miss Bennett, about time for the six-shooter to be coming into town. He sort of overdue, I said. Overdue? Uh, what are you talking about, Ethan? Well, there's milk for you, for one thing. Letter. There's somebody in uh, Topeka, Kansas, from the looks of the envelope. Oh, must be from Aunt Emma. She lives in Topeka. Oh, she does, eh? Well, here you are, Britt. Thanks. According to the postal rules, I should have sent it back when you didn't show up, but I figured I could stretch your point. <laughs> well, ain't you gonna read it? Oh, oh, sure, sure. Let's oh, see. oh my! Oh, that pickle sure is bitter. Bread. Mm. Must have got too much vinegar in this batch. You know, to this, I ain't very fond of dills anyhow. Don't know why I keep on eating them. Holy smoke! Hmm? Want something the matter, Brett? Holy well. Oh. Well, it's a letter from Aunt Emma. She's, she's, she's coming out here to Powder Creek. Oh, going to pay you a little visit, huh? Uh, now, ain't that nice? No, it's more than just a visit, Ethan. Oh? No, no, she's figuring on settling down here. Well. She, she aims to make this her home. Uh-huh. Well, there's lots worse places a body can live. No, no, but, but she expects me to live with her. She's... She says she's going to keep house for me. Well, Holy smoke. Now, that's real considerate of her. Real considerate, No, uh, No, well, I appreciate her, her wanting to look after me, but well, well, doggone it, Ethan. Now, you know I couldn't settle down, not permanently. I'm used to traveling around and living alone and bunking wherever my fancy strikes. You know yeah, that. sure. But uh, maybe it's good for you to take root someplace, huh? You, you know what they say, Britt. Rolling stone gathers no moss. Living alone does have its disadvantages. Oh, you know? well, now, you're a fine one to talk. Well. I haven't noticed you making any effort to acquire a family. Oh, now, look here. I'm a lot older than you are. Too old to change my ways. But you're still a young buck. You ought to be sort of, uh, pliable-like. Yes, sir, I think you ought to take your hand up on this here offer, her. You don't think anything of the kind, no, Ethan. You no, you do not. You're just trying to get my goat, that's all. Not at all. I know you. Well, I'm, well I'll just write Aunt Emma tonight, and I'll thank her for what she wants to do for me. I... But I'll just explain. I, I, um, I'll just explain I, 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 to her and tell her. I, I hmm? kind of doubt that a letter would reach her in time to hit her off, Britt. What? Yeah, what? that one she sent you has been here for several weeks now. Oh, yeah, well... Well, I guess I'll just send her a telegram, then. That line out of Powder Creek is still working, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Ain't been a single breakdown lately, not since them Apaches headed south back into their own territory. Yeah, well, that's what I'll do, then. I'll just telegraph her. Well, I um, kind of doubt that a telegram would do much good, either. Huh? We're seeing as how your A&M is already in Powder Creek. Yeah, well, I'll send her one anyway. I, 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 what? <laughs> yes, sir. She got here a week ago last Tuesday. Come in on the Santa Fe. Uh, brung a whole load of furniture, too. Well, now, now hold on, Ethan. Now, you're not serious. You're joking well, about no, this. Well, no, I'm not. Just you take a stroll over to the old Mac Dennis house. 
You know on the corner behind the bank? Uh-huh, yeah. Well, yes, sir. Your aunt rented the place right after she arrived. Must be all moved in by now. Well, I just don't know what to say. I understand she's got your room all fixed up waiting for you. My room? Well, that's what she's here for, ain't it? To look after you. Well, I don't need any looking after her. Well, maybe not. Maybe not, but it appears your Aunt Emma's got other ideas. Seems to be a real understanding lady, though. Says it's all right for you to keep Scar if your heart's set on it. To keep Scar? What? Well, she probably don't care much for horses herself, you see. Now, you just listen to me, Ethan Green River. I'm not going to live here on that... What are you... I mean, I never asked Aunt Emma to go... She's... Shouldn't take it upon herself to... Without my... With... A, the old Mac Dennis house, you said. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that's the one. Ain't very fancy, but from here on, it's uh, going to be home sweet home. Hey, Britt? Yeah, I'll just see about that. <laughs> Goodness sakes, how you've grown, Britt. Oh, now, now, Aunt Em, now, I, I had my full growth the last time you saw me. I, I was 25 years old. Well, now, it seems to me you've shot up some since then. <laughs> oh, not much flesh on you, though. Fact is, you're just plain skinny. Yeah, well, I reckon being so tall make me a little thinner than I really am, you know, sort oh, of appear to be. father you know. was just as tall as you are, but... He must have been a good 20 pounds heavier. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, we'll put some flesh on those bones of yours. A couple of good home-cooked meals, and you'll start filling in. I, yes, yes. You, uh, you like the house, Britt? Uh, yes. It seems real comfortable. Well, I haven't quite finished unpacking yet, and some of the big pieces have got to be moved. I was waiting for you to give me a hand. Yes, I'll be glad to, Anne Anne. Your room's right over there, if you Uh, want to take a look at it. Oh, well... Go on, Britt, go on. Oh, you needn't be afraid I fixed it up real frilly or anything like that. Oh, no, no, I wasn't worried about that. I... Well? Uh, oh, uh, it looks fine. It's just fine. And... Just take a good feel of that bed. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I bet you don't get a soft mattress like that in the bunkhouse where you've been sleeping. Uh, yeah, no... No, we sure don't. I'm working on a patch quilt for it. Started before I left Kansas. Expect I'll have it finished up in a week or so. Well. <laughs> uh, Adam, uh, before you go to too much trouble. Yes, Briz? Uh, you see... You see, I I didn't know you were coming to Powder Creek. Uh, yes, Mr. Green River told me you hadn't been in to pick up my letter. You must have been kind of surprised to find out I was already here. I was practically flabbergasted, yes. I. Uh, whatever made you decide to come west? I'll I'm tell you sorry. all about it while I'm fixing supper. Come on out in the kitchen. Uh, uh, yes, ma'am. Oh, shucks. I was going to have a real fancy meal for you first night in your new home, but you didn't give me enough warning. So I'll just have to warm up yesterday's pot roast, if that's all right. Oh, there's nothing I like better. Oh, there's some potatoes in that sack. Would you mind peeling a couple of them for me? No, not a bad, not bad. Right here. Here, now use this pan. Oh, the, yeah. the knife's in the drawer beside you. Oh, I see. oh no, one? not the butcher knife, oh. Chris. Here, now, this one. Oh, I see. That'll be better. Well, now, uh, about my coming to powder crisp, Rick. I, I just felt it was my bounded duty. You, ma'am? Well, you see, Carrie got married last February. Carrie? My youngest girl, your cousin Carrie. Oh, uh, oh, oh, cousin Carrie. She uh. was almost 30, and I was beginning to wonder whether she'd ever get a... Well, she finally found herself a real nice man. Yes, he works for the Santa Fe Railroad Company. Oh, got I me see. my train ticket at half price. Uh-huh, is that so? Yeah. Well, anyway, after she left home, that meant my family was all taken care of. My immediate family, that is. Uh-huh. And then I got to thinking about you, my only brother's son, all alone with nobody to look after you. Well, I've been getting along all right, Aunt Em. Now, don't you try to tell me that. If ever I saw a man that needed a woman to take a hold of him, why, those clothes you're wearing are a disgrace. Oh, yes, these are... Well, I was going to buy some new ones today. Well, if they was washed and ironed and mended proper, you wouldn't be needing new clothes all the time. A wife, that's what you really ought to have. 
But I suppose you're like the rest of the Ponsets. Put off everything until the last minute. Mm, well, I... Oh, I don't go know. in it alone is expensive, Fred. Oh, I'm not saying the two can live as cheap as one. And I don't want you to get the idea that I expect you to support me. Well, it's never even crossed my mind. Oh, indeed. I've still got some of the money your Uncle George left. And my boys both send me a little bit from time to time. I don't imagine we'll have any finance problems, Brit. Well, you see, Aunt Em, I'm signed up with the Bar Y, and I'm sorry, but I, I just can't very well stay on here in town with you. Well, there are other jobs besides ranching. Well, it's about all I'm good for. Oh, fiddlesticks. I've had a talk with Mr. Allington at the bank. He says he'll give you a position the minute you say the word. Oh, for Pete's sake. Uh, me, what, in a, me working a bank? Oh, no, Aunt Em, I... In a bank? I wouldn't know the first thing about it. Oh, well, now that don't seem to bother Mr. Allington. He was real pleased at the idea. Said it would probably cut down some of his losses, having you as an employee. Ooh, What's you... the matter, Britt? Oh, I'm going to sort of nick my finger a little bit. Nothing serious. Oh, just... here, you can use this piece of rag for a bandage. It's clean. Oh, no, Aunt Emma. You do I... want to get blood poisoning, do oh, you? No, Go ahead, all... now, tie it on. All right, all right, all right, all right. And you'd better let me finish those potatoes. The way you're peeling them, there wouldn't be enough left to cook. Yes, well, uh, you see, what I'm getting at, Aunt Em, is, well, I'm not the stay-and-put type of man. I'm sort of used to being on the move. You understand? Brit it's high time you lit someplace. Oh, I've heard about you and that gun of yours all the way back to Kansas. It's a wonder to me you haven't been shot up half a dozen times by now. At least those stories folks tell are true. Well, the stories probably did some growing on their way east. I'll bet I know one thing you don't. They've even got a title for you back there. Oh? Mm-hmm. The Six Shooter. That's what they call you. No. As if the name of Ponset wasn't good enough. Huh. Well, don't you feel too bad about it, dear. After we live here in peace and quiet for a spell, everybody will forget all about those escapades of yours. Uh-huh. Now, Aunt Emma, there's just something I've got to explain to you, and I, I want you to understand that oh, I... Oh, Chris. <laughs> I know what you're trying to say. You think I'm making a big sacrifice in, in coming here and setting up a home for no, you. No, no, no. Not it's exactly. no sacrifice, no. Brad. No, indeed. And it's... It's not just a feeling of duty, either. The plain truth is, I... I wanted to come. Oh? It's kind of hard to put into words, but... Well, after George died, I still had the children to keep me busy. But now... Now there's no one. No one but you. I guess I'm the kind of person that just has to have somebody to worry over. Must be my nature. And I'm only 60, Britt. I ought to be able to run a house for a good ten years yet. The Ponsets are long-lived as a rule. Oh, sure, sure. So I... I just don't know what I'd have done if, if there hadn't been somebody I could be of use to. Uh, I guess you're kind of a godsend, Britt. It, it looks like I need you more than you need me. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I reckon we... Both need each other, Adam. Now, Act Two of The Six Shooter. Starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. I wasn't exactly what you'd call comfortable. The bed was too darn soft for one thing. And it wasn't easy getting used to having another person around all the time. Leastways, it, it wasn't easy getting used to Aunt Emma. She, uh... Oh, I, I knew she had my best interest. Britt Ponsett, you eat the rest of those turnips. They're good for you. And that... Oh, before I forget it. Don't you think you ought to see about getting a haircut? It's hanging way down the back of your neck. And whenever she asked me to do something, well, I, I sure didn't have any right to object. 
They were things that had to be done. There's and no uh, a sack of flour, a spool of number 60 white thread, and some empty fruit jars. I think I'll put up some of that rhubarb out in the garden. Looks real nice to me. And as for the advice she gave me, well, it was probably good advice. Well worth listening to. I, I just don't see why you can't try working at the bank, Britt. If you don't take to it, you can always quit. I'm not saying that you have to keep on with it for the rest of your life. Well, after a week, I knew that I couldn't go on much farther, so... And when Dan Porterfield came in, I told him I'd be back at the ranch by the end of the month. But I sure didn't know how I was going to manage it. I just, uh, I just couldn't leave Aunt Em, not without hurting her. She, she just needed somebody like me to fuss over her. And, and, uh, there wasn't anyone else who seemed to fit the bill. At least nobody... At least... Nobody I could think of right offhand. Yeah. Here's the last of it, Britt. Coffee, salt, bacon, cut material. It's all in it. Yeah, that's all, Ethan. <laughs> I'll say one thing. You sure surprised me, Britt. I don't see why. Well, I do. I figured you wouldn't stay on with your aunt not more than two, three days at the very outside. <laughs> but by Jiminy, it's... It's over a week now, ain't it? Oh, no, it hasn't been a week, but... It... Oh, it couldn't be that long. By George, <laughs> it is a weekend. Well, that time sure does fly when a man's contented and satisfied, you know? Huh? Ethan, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You, you remember the other day when you first told me Aunt Emma was in town? Mm, sure. Well, sure. now, the, the truth of the matter is I was kind of upset. I... I didn't exactly welcome the idea. <laughs> it ain't no secret, Britt. <laughs> I guess I know how I'd feel was I in your place. Well, that's just it, Ethan. I, I never realized what I've been missing all these years. What are you talking about? I want to tell you that I wouldn't give up living with Aunt Em for all the gold in California. In the first place, she's the finest cook that ever lived. Why, her hot biscuits alone is enough to make your mouth water, and that isn't the half of it. She takes care of all my clothes. You know, I, I can put on a clean pair of socks every day if I have a mind to do it. No. A clean pair every single day if I want to. But the best part of it is that, that I'm not lonely anymore. Gosh, it sure is nice to have somebody to talk to and to play casino with in the evenings. Yeah? Of course, I know none of this sounds appealing to you, Ethan, but... Gosh, I, I sure hope I never have to go back to living alone. Well, uh, see you later. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll be seeing you, Britt. Britt, you forgot to get a wick for the lamb. Oh, yes, guess I did. Well, it sort of slipped my mind. You sure aren't much good at remembering things. Oh, well, I'll go back up to town and pick one up. It'll only take Oh, never mind, never mind. We can do without until tomorrow. Better get your hands washed, son. Supper will be ready in a little bit. Yes, ma'am. Uh, by the way, I, I had a little chat with Ethan Green River this afternoon. That's nice. You know, he... I kind of feel sorry for him. He, he, living alone, nobody to care whether he comes or goes and all that. Well, it's by his own choice, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, I... I was just thinking, maybe we could have him over to supper one night. Oh. Well, now, Britt, I'm not as young as I used to be, and getting on food for company, that, that's kind of an effort. Oh, but it wouldn't have to be anything special. And besides, it might be nice for you and Ethan to sort of get together, uh, to sort of uh, a little, get a little better acquainted. And... You don't think I'd so much as look at another man after your Uncle George, do you? I'm surprised. Oh, no, no, I, I didn't mean anything like that. Well, Pam. I should hope not. Oh, no, 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 no. No, the fact is, Ethan is kind of spoken for in a way. You don't say. Oh, yes, oh, yes, yes. Maud Hinsdale, she's got her eye on him. Hinsdale? Hinsdale, yes. You know, the soprano in the church choir, the screeching one. Oh. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Come to think of it, somebody was telling me Maud was sort of worried about you when you first showed up in Powder Creek. Worried? About what? Well, I guess she was afraid another widow might give her some competition for Ethan. And she's been having trouble enough landing him as it is, you know. Well, she needn't have concerned herself. Oh, she's not concerned now. 
not that she's seen you. What? No, I, at least that's the story I got. I... Well, for Maud Hinsdale's information, I've had plenty of chances to remarry since your uncle passed on. Oh, sure you have, Annie. I'm sure you have. And now that you mention it, tomorrow night might be a very good time to have Mr. Green River over for supper. I was planning on chicken and dumplings, and there'll be plenty for three. Well, now, you're sure you, it won't mean too much work for you? Oh, what's little work, Britt? This is your home as much as it is mine. Your friends are always welcome. Oh, fine, fine, Anna. That's, that's real generous of you. I won't be able to eat again for a month of Sundays, Miss Bancroft. That's all there is to it. Oh, now, Mr. Greenwood, the there's another whole apple pie we haven't even touched. Uh, I thought with two strong, healthy men like you, one pie wouldn't be near enough. Oh, no, please, not another mouthful. Oh, well, uh, if you're absolutely certain I can't tempt you to more of anything, I guess I might as well clear off the table. Uh, can I help you, Anne Am? Why, Britt, you know I don't like anybody in my kitchen. You two just go in the parlor and enjoy yourselves. I'll be long in a minute. Uh, yes, Sir Britt. You wasn't exaggerating one little bit. That aunt of yours just about the finest cook I ever come across. Ah, it's mighty nice of you to say that, Ethan, <laughs> considering that this is just a sort of a plain, ordinary, run-of-the-mill supper. It's just about like what we get every night. No. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Sunday dinner, now, there... That's when she really puts herself out. Oh, dear. Oh, that, yes, that's uh, Sunday one. Well, uh, see, uh, you don't suppose you can manage to get me an invite to one of her Sunday meals, do you, Britt? Mm, I don't know. Oh, no, no, look, Britt, I, I'd sure appreciate it. I, yeah, uh, I, well, I can't promise anything, but I'll do my best. Do my Well, for the next ten days or so, Ethan was practically a steady boarder at Aunt Emma's. And he sure did put it away, too. Aunt Emma didn't seem to mind. She said she liked to see a man enjoy his food, and Ethan more than obliged her. I tried to leave them alone as often as I could, but as far as I could tell, their friendship just didn't seem to be progressing past the dining room table. Uh, looked like I'd just have to sort of give... Ethan a little touch of spur. So, one evening after spare ribs and sauerkraut, while Aunt Em was out in the kitchen doing the dishes... Oh, you gotta let my belt out another notch. That's all there is to it. Uh, uh, <coughs> uh Ethan. Yeah? Uh, uh, there's something I've been meaning to ask you. Go right ahead, Britt. Well, now, right you know I'm Aunt Emma's only relative. Uh-huh. In Powder Creek, that is. Yeah, yeah. Uh... She's sort of my responsibility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, what I'm getting at is your intentions. My what? Your, your intentions about Emma. Oh, 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 I, I see what you're driving at now, Britt. Uh, well, you don't have anything to worry about. I don't? No, no. I, I won't deny I'm real fond of Emma, and it's more than just a cooking, too. Under other circumstances, well, I, I might even consider asking her to marry me. Other circumstances? Yeah, well, you, you you told me how you'd feel if anything happened to upset this little home you've got here, and I'd be the last man in the world to cause you any misery, Brett. Why, you're one of my closest friends. Now, now, just hold on here a minute, Now, Ethan. look, but you can take my word for it. You and Emma can live on here together just as long as you've a mind to, and I won't do a thing to interfere. But I'd like you to interfere. Huh? I... If, if you want to marry Aunt Emma... And she wants to marry you, you'd be doing me a favor. No. No, Britt. I just won't let you make such a sacrifice. A sacrifice? Yes, that's just what it is. A sacrifice. All right, Ethan. You can believe whatever you like, but I've made up my mind. I'm not staying here in Powder Creek. I'm heading back to the bar Y the first thing in the morning, and after I'm gone, Aunt Anne will be all alone here, all alone, unless you plan to do something about it. <laughs> Well, I guess I really wouldn't have gone through with it, leaving that end, I mean. But I was pretty sure that Ethan really liked her. And all he needed was a little prod. Well, uh, a big prod. Anyhow, I got Scar out of the barn and rode around for an hour or so. But when I came back to the house, Ethan's buggy was gone. Oh, 
He was maybe... Maybe he hadn't proposed at all, or maybe she turned him down. Huh? Well, only one way to find out, and that's go inside. What to you, Briggs? Oh, well, I, I just wanted to give Scar a chance to stretch his legs. Oh. oh. I thought maybe you were giving Ethan a chance to propose to me. Oh, oh he asked you to marry him? That was the general idea. I see. Uh, you uh, turned him down, huh? Is that what you thought I'd do? Well, I was afraid you... I mean, I, I... I figured you'd be worried about what would happen to me. That was all. I, I'm not the least bit worried about what'll happen to you, Brett Ponsett. Why? Why, I've known since the first week you moved in here that it just wouldn't work out. It's clear as day that you and that horse of yours aren't going to be happy unless you're roving around somewhere, bedding down without a roof over your head. Oh, I saw those blankets of yours on the floor. I know how you've been sleeping. Well, I... Yes. I... It appears to me that there are some men who take to being looked after and cared for, and there are some who just don't. Huh. That's why I agreed to marry Ethan. You accepted him? Of course I did. <sighs> He's the kind of man who will take to being looked after. Oh, I hope you're right, Aunt Em. I sure hope you're right. And you know she was... She was 100% right? Why, the next time I came through Powder Creek to visit Aunt Em and, and uh, Uncle Ethan, well, well, sir, he was just about the most married man I ever saw. And so, play it, too. When I'm his age, uh, well, I guess I don't need to start worrying about him now. <laughs>